Welcome to the Scene in the Wild podcast, a conversation on Alberta culture presented by Wild Rose Brewery and the YYScene.com, Calgary's go-to guide to getting out. I'm Mike Bell, your host for the podcast, and joining me on this edition of Scene in the Wild is Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra conductor and music director, Runa Berkman. The Norwegian-born Berkman has held the role since the beginning of the 2017-2018 season and has already made his mark, helping to push the CPO into the future and ensuring that its already world-class reputation continues to grow. The man who has worked with orchestras across the globe and who divides his time between his home in Norway, his duties in Calgary, and those as a music director, artistic director, and principal conductor of the Szczecin Philharmonic in Poland, sat down with me at the Wild Rose Brewery Taproom for a lively discussion on his life, career, and thoughts on his part-time home. It's going great. It's been a it's been a great ride until now, and I can't wait for the rest to come. And um, I came here was a little bit more than two years ago now, first time, and I immediately fell in love with the city and the people and the orchestra. What did you know about Calgary before you came? Yeah, I, I, the only thing I knew was that it was a great place for oil, and you had a fantastic Olympic. Uh, the some best years ever, ago. apparently. Yes. And, and that was kind of my first Winter Olympics that I kind of followed. So, so I knew about Calgary's reputation quite much, actually, more than I knew about other Canadian cities. For me, Canada was Calgary somehow in my mind. And when this coincidence brought me here, I, I said, like, of course I would I'd like to go to Calgary and, and meet them. Uh, but of course, it's like in, with anything, you, you need this relation. And, and um, not, it's not always that an orchestra like a conductor or a conductor like an orchestra. So... But we liked each other, and um, and I always, when I travel somewhere, I look for for at least four things. And one thing is that if the orchestra is willing to improve, they would like to go somewhere. Uh, they have a vision. And the other thing is that there, if there is a good concert hall, because if if you don't have a hall to perform in, it's not much you can do. And the third thing is that there have to be a staff and administration that would like to go with you yeah. on this crazy journey uh, to develop. And the fourth thing is that to, there has to be an audience, an, an enthusiastic audience, that really have love and passion for their orchestra. And it's very rare that I find all those four things. And I did here in Calgary, and this made me believe so much that this city and this orchestra could could go to to a different level somehow. And as I said very early, that I think that Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra should be an orchestra for the world. Yeah. And today we have all kinds of possibilities with live streaming and recordings, and uh, so we just have to figure out how to do it. We're still working on that, but we have live streamed a couple of concerts, and it's been a huge success. So this is this a. a popular and common thing in the orchestral world now or, or it's getting more are you and more? at the forefront yeah i would say it's getting more and more but we're still actually in the forefront i would say anyone can of course take it you can use a cell phone these days and make a film and it it sounds pretty good but to be in the level that we want to be like on the top level in the world our goal is to be one of the best orchestras in the world and, and then of course the technology has to follow that so we tried sometimes with a little bit cheaper camera things, sometimes with a little bit cheaper sound, and we just figured out this is not the way to go. We have to go with the top-level uh, world quality of the orchestra, and then it deserves a top-level uh, sound and picture quality as well. So I think we're probably one of the most advanced uh, 
streaming organizations at the, at the moment. So, and of course, many wants to do this, and it's easier to do it, but it, it's really actually very complicated, and we need a great team around it to know exactly where is is the camera going to film the oboe or the trombones or what are we going to have in focus. So, but we're on our way to something amazing, and people are watching us all over the world now, and and uh, I'm very happy. This is exactly what I wanted to accomplish for the orchestra. Yeah. The orchestra, they are, I mean, they, they consist of fantastic musicians. They are elite players of their instruments. So me being a music director here is not telling them how to play their instruments, but more getting us to play our instruments together in the same direction as a team. And to, to build a success in a great ensemble, it's all about the team feeling that we, we go in the same direction. And uh, now we have the opportunity to show the world this. And uh, I think that Calgary had such success in business, oil, and even Olympics. I think the next step for Calgary to, to become an even bigger world destination is through culture. Yeah. And there are so many good things. Now we have the ballet, we have the opera, we have Bam Center close so many things that are on a fantastic level and I think that we all just have to pull together and I would really just love to see that the city is really proud of their orchestra because Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra is an orchestra for Calgary and it's an orchestra for the world. Have you had much time to get to know the city because I know you're you're traveling the world you're you're between Calgary and Stetchen. Stetchen, yeah, in Poland, Stetchen, yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and Norway, where I storage my family and all these things. So, <laughs> you storage <laughs> But absolutely. So, every time I'm here, I, I have a bi quite busy schedule, but I try to see as much of, of Calgary as I can every time. And I get to know more and more people. And I really love that. And, uh, and of course, it might be that at some point my family will move here. I have three small kids uh, and a dog, so it's a bit complicated at the moment yeah. with schools and everything. But my wife has been here a couple of times and she loves the place. Um, so, But I also have seen in my experience the last years that in this modern world we have now where the great technology, you, we have Skype, we have uh, FaceTime, there are so many ways I can communicate with my family in a different way than before and also uh, for me to keep up a quite busy schedule also outside Calgary that's not because I don't want to be in Calgary but it's more that uh, if I'm going to inspire our audience and our orchestra I need to be inspired and influenced by other places as well so this is why it's so important that I also keep my time also traveling and see what others are doing and this is the only way we can actually be in front all the time that I try to figure out with my creativity how can we now do something that they haven't thought about so it's a, it's a little things like, like probably in any kind of things within business and everything that you you need to think ahead quite far and uh, for me to be traveling and meet a lot of people has, I feel, has opened up also some doors for the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra. Even with the technology, even with the skyping, it's got to be tough for you to 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 miss out on those those little things. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. How so, old are your, your boys? So now they are four, seven, and ten. Wow. Yeah. So it's um, it's a uh, it's a tricky age. So it's it's a lot on my wife. She's a really a hero, and uh, but at the same time we we communicate as good as we can and also before I was filling my calendar with work because some years ago now I'm actually blocking the weeks I need to be home so it's a little different and and 
And uh, so I'm actually going home next week. There's the National Day of Norway, and I always try to be there because then the kids are singing and playing music in the schools, and it's kind of a big week uh, for them. And of course, we have Christmas, we have Easter, and we have summers. And summers is a little bit easier because then they can travel with me when they are free from school. So we figure it out somehow, and, and our time we spend together is is really intense in a good way, though. Yeah. So yeah, so it works. Do, do they have a concept of what you are and, and what you do? Yeah, yeah, they do. At least the oldest one has. And then and now the two oldest ones get start to understand it uh, also. So so it's uh, it's so funny. My youngest, the four-year-old, asked me last week because he saw I was packing my suitcase. And the ones that gets most upset is actually the dog. <laughs> so when I bring up my suitcase, he just goes and lies on top of the suitcase. He does not want me to pack anything in it. And uh, and then the four year old came and said, "Oh, daddy, so where are you going now? Is it Canada Orchestra or is it Poland Orchestra?" <laughs> so they start to understand that I, I usually go somewhere to work, and uh, and uh, yeah, but 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 I think they find it some some kind of like a little bit um, interesting as well and exciting that I have a little slightly different job that than most of the other dads has. Yeah. Are they are they musical? <laughs> yes. So the the oldest one he plays instruments himself and the middle one he will probably start playing now next next year. The youngest one he he's just dancing around still. So but they will I I don't know if they will become professional musicians uh, but and I, there is no pressure for me at all that I should do that. I just really want them to do whatever they came to this world to do and be happy about that. So the the one thing I know for sure that me and my wife agrees that they will play instruments. They will uh, have music at least as a hobby because it's so healthy and uh, and you should do sports activities you should do music and whatever you want to be if it's if you're going to going to be a doctor or an architect or driving a train or a plane it doesn't really matter i in my opinion you need to be healthy both in your body and your in your mind and uh, in your soul so for these things i always says that sports and music goes hand in hand you need both to be complete somehow. And where did you play growing up? What as was the sport? It was so funny because I did everything. So I remembered my teachers in school. They approached my father one day and said, "You know what? Your son is doing a lot of activities. Like, shouldn't he focus more on on the his homework at school?" And then my father said, "And this is something I really. It was so funny. He just replied that, you know what? I'm so happy he does that." Because it gives him really a life ex experience and an education. But also, I know where he is. As long as I know that he's in orchestra or band practice or playing soccer, I know that he's not drinking or doing drugs. I was singing in children's chorus. I was playing volleyball. At some point, I was almost on my way to become the Norwegian champion of shot put. Really? And that, this is the, something that not many knows, but my father had two passions. That, that was his, his trumpet and uh, his shot put. So he teach me how to do this. And I'm, I'm a big guy and I was strong. So, uh, so I was really good in it. But the problem, it came to a point because it's so hard for the shoulders. Yeah. Like if I'm going to go conducting direction, then the shot put might destroy my shoulder. So I, when I became 16 years old, I kind of choose to to put the shot put on, uh, away but it's so funny because my my seven-year-old came home from school one day a couple of weeks ago and he said daddy daddy i tried something so funny at school i said what 
oh, I don't remember the name of it. It was like this big, heavy thing I was throwing from my shoulder. I was like, oh, was it shot put? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. And then I was just laughing and I was calling my father yeah. that, that was the shot put champion of Norway. And they said, okay, so you have to teach one more generation how to do this. That's great. You're listening to the Scene in the Wild podcast presented by the YYScene.com and Wild Rose Brewery. Brewing quality local beer for the great Alberta wilderness. Stay wild, Alberta. My guest on this episode is Runa Berkman, conductor and music director for the CPO. He is a larger-than-life figure, both in person and on stage, where he's been affectionately described as a huge, sweaty Viking for his intense and energetic conducting style. In fact, as he tells me, there's nothing left when he leaves the stage, and he describes his approach as... It's about life and death. I never do anything halfway. And if we fall, we fall. If we fly, we fly. Ruta tells me how he came to love classical music. What sent him on this path as a child growing up in a small Norwegian town of only 8,000? Yeah, no, it's very interesting. It's uh, Of course, there was always music in the house somehow because my mother was singing in the choir and my father played the trumpet in the local band there. And uh, so they were very passionate about music and not the music I do today. So it was, it was just whatever music was available. And this is why I'm also, I also have a, like a very open mind uh, when it comes to, to different musical styles. Like I love all kinds of music. It can be jazz, it can be pop, it can be rock and roll. Um, for me, it's just like if it brings something to you, if it makes you excited, it's for me good music. I remember they gave me some money on the Saturdays to, to buy some candy or something for the weekend. And I started saving them up. And I remember I went to the local gas station. That was the <laughs> only place you can actually buy a recording at that yeah. time. And, and I was just looking. Of course, you had all kinds of pop music available. And on the classical uh, side, there was not much to choose from. And the first thing that got my attention was the Beethoven symphonies with Chicago uh, Symphony and Sir George Schulte. And I didn't know at that time that that was one of the best orchestras in the world and one of the best conductors in the world. So I bought that one and I remember when I listened to it for the first time, uh, it just grabbed me in a way I cannot explain what happened. I haven't felt like that before. And of course, Beethoven is a fantastic composer, but it was a great orchestra. And I just knew that this was something different, that this is something that spoke to me in a different way. So I started listening to more and more classical music. I, I bought more and more music. And, and it's so interesting that I found out later that Chicago and Schulte was such a great orchestra and a great conductor. And they have meant a lot to me in my musical development. So uh, my parents probably thought I was a little bit strange <laughs> listening to this much of classical music all the time. But I really loved it. And... Um, when I was around eight years old or something, then my father woke me up one morning and said, it's the New Year's concert from Vienna today. It was New Year's Day. And I was sitting down in front of the TV and Carlos Kleiber, one of the greatest conductors ever, came in and conducted the beginning of the Fledermaus Overture by Strauss. And it's so virtuoso how you can have to conduct that. And ten seconds into that one, I just turned to my parents and said, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And they thought I was completely crazy, of course. I was young, and, and how could I know? And I remember my father, they took it seriously, and, and, and my father had a friend um, 
uh, in the Oslo Philharmonic, and he he called and asked a little bit around with with people. Uh, my son has a really strange wish that he wants to be a conductor. <laughs> like, how can we do this? At the time, there wasn't really an education for conducting in Norway. This was a kind of an early stage, even though I'm not that old. It wasn't that developed in yeah. Norway. So. And I lived out on the countryside. I pretty much had to learn myself to play all kinds of instruments because there were not much teachers available. How many do you play? So, yeah, so I started out playing the trumpet like okay. my father. Yep. So basically my father learned me the basic stuff and he said, probably one of the wisest advice I've ever got. And I realized it later because you can say things very complicated. You can explain it, but you can also say it's so easy. And this has been kind of my approach when I work with orchestras. Try not to talk too much. I just try to give them a vision, like a an, an direction where we're going. And I want them to try to figure out as well how to get there. Because if I tell them all the, every time what to do, they get passive. For me, it's the teamwork. It's kind of chamber music that you have to give and take all the time and this I got from my father and he said uh, Rune you have to play from your heart it needs to be beautiful we are all individuals so, so whatever instrument we play as musicians we have to find our way so he could say do this hold that blow this much air all kinds of technical things but he just asked me produce something beautiful and what is beautiful for me could be different for what's beautiful for you so but it made me search for what was my sound in the instrument yeah. and, and what gives something to the audience. And I think that this is the, the best musicians. They really find the sound in their instrument that gives the audience uh, goosebumps. And, and so it's so interesting. I don't think my father actually realized at the time that he said something really clever. But for me, this is something I've used now every day. Whatever you do, whatever music, whatever style, you have to play from your heart. You have to play like you mean it. It cannot be a routine. You have to be in the moment. Well, and, and, and you know that, right? You, you can hear that in other musicians. And I'm not even just classical music, but any musician. You either mean it yeah. or you don't mean yes. it. You can have all the technical proficiency you want. You, you can know how to play. Yeah. But if you don't have that into it, then yeah. it just... And you can I think, hear it. And this is so funny with my mother, though, because she's not a musician, but I can see it so clearly in her eyes when she enjoys it when she gets it yeah. and it doesn't matter if I played pop music Beethoven or Schoenberg or any kind of style if you're gonna reach the audience that doesn't know have the knowledge of music as you have you have to perform it in a very convincing way yeah. if you just play the notes you're playing all the right notes it might not give anything and this is when I when I come to any kind of audience I know that they're, they probably don't have a music education so I have to give them an experience just playing the notes that doesn't give anything they need to feel that they're on a journey so every time I come to the orchestra Maybe I'm like a driver of a bus or a train or a plane, whatever. But uh, we are driving together. We are in the same car. And even though I'm driving it, they have to contribute to this. And, and I think that many orchestras, they get a little bit surprises, surprised with me because they, I actually expect them to bring something to the table instead of the old, maybe old maestro style where do this, do that, to tell them very clearly what to do. Uh, I think that the only way to find and accomplish the magic 
of music is that everyone digs into it in the same way as I do. So even though you, you, you always need a leader as in a conductor, for me it's more like chamber music that everyone needs to bring something to the table. And, and that maybe that was the biggest surprise for the orchestra here that sometimes I can be a little um, mysterioso, as we say it in the musical language, uh, in, in not telling them directly what to do. I give them a picture. I could say that, oh, you have to play from your heart or you have to play beautiful or uh, think about a sunset, think about a beautiful day at the beach. That could be something I can tell them and they have to figure out what is a beautiful day on the beach for me. I'm sure that might frustrate some musicians because sure. well, especially <laughs> classical musicians because yeah. they're used to being told no play this play yes. this play this and it was so funny there is a story about the uh, a conductor that told to the trombone section uh, like oh this needs to sound like the most beautiful sunset ever coming up and it's, uh, and he went on and on how beautiful this should be and then the, the, the trombone guy said excuse me maestro do you want it louder or softer <laughs> <laughs> it probably has happens to me all the time as well and and it's not that we the way i approach music is that the, there has to be something more than loud soft fast slow we always of course search for perfection we want everything to be te technically detailed and perfection but i think the ones that only focus on that uh they will they they won't feel that magic that music can bring and i i had a very good teacher when i when I started studying conducting and he said to me because many people they learn all the technical stuff and then they try to figure out the music later well he had a different approach he said so Rune you have to what, what do you want how do you want this to sound I said I, yeah something like this and this and this and this he said okay so then find the technique you need to make that happen and that might be why I have a slightly different conducting technique than others like I, I really use my whole body and 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 the moves the arms and the fingers because every part of your body has a sound um, as a different sound and and I don't instead of telling the orchestra what to do why do not just show them the direction and then invite them to be part of using the, their ex excellent skills to find their technique to accomplish the direction we, we go in. And this is probably a little bit unusual way of approaching it. There are, I'm not the only one that do, does this, but, but for me it's so strong that we have to have first our vision and then our goal, and then we have to figure out the way to get there. First time I interviewed you for the Calgary Herald, I'd asked you what people can expect from your 
your conducting style, and I think you'd said something like uh, big, sweaty, <laughs> energetic, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah there was. A, I got a. I took it as a compliment. There was a, a U.S. orchestra that that uh, the, on their Facebook site, some of the audience they wrote in after the concert, and it was my debut there, and they they wrote in and said please bring back this huge sweaty Viking as soon as possible. <laughs> I, I think that was a actually quite good description of, of what I am because I give everything. On yeah. the stage, there is nothing uh, There is nothing left when I leave the stage. For me, it's it's about life and death. And really, when I do something, it's I never do anything halfway. We go for it. And uh, and if we fall, we fall. And if we fly, we fly. It's uh, But it has to be, everyone has to dig in. I want to ask you a more general question about uh, orchestras themselves and, and finding new audiences and, and cultivating new audiences. And I see that in... Um, what the CPO is doing with interesting things like playing along to the Harry Potter films or bringing in, say, Corb Lund or, or other pop musicians. Do you, do you think that's necessary or do you, do you view that as, as a gimmick? Uh, I, think, I think it can be both, actually. And, and I don't think the... Um, uh, I think we... I, I actually enjoy that we're doing uh, and meeting a broader audience. Um, I think that the key here, though, would be that the experience I had as young and, and growing up is that I was exposed for all kinds of music. I didn't just choose that, oh, I really love the Beatles, so I just listened to them. It, for me, it was, oh, I was always curious about music. So I think that what I would like to see, though, for the future is that I feel we have a little bit divided audience. So we have one audience that would go to Harry Potter or Carl Blount. Yeah. But they might not show up and listen to a Mozart symphony with me. Uh, that's a different audience. How do you bridge that gap? So this is something we're working on at, uh, every every time. But it's I'm I'm and of course it will take a little time for the audience to feel this. But I think that there has been a, uh, an understanding that okay, this is for me and this is not for me in Calgary. Yeah. Um, I would say, be curious. Don't be afraid. It's when, when you've been to the Jack Singer Hall to see Corb Lund, why not try out, go on the wild side, do something you, 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 uh, you don't know as well? Because this is was how it was for me, that every, I, I, I remember everything you do in life some day has to be the first one and I remember I didn't know much about jazz when I was younger and suddenly I I had the opportunity to listen to Miles Davis play and I was like it just opened my world in a totally different way and I think that for me as a conductor I would not be and it doesn't matter if people think I'm a good or a bad conductor but the way my style is is actually, I don't think I would be able to do that if I hadn't had the background from pop, jazz, and all kinds of different styles. Because if you, I think the, uh, I, ha I had a background where I also got the opportunity to play a little bit jazz and improvise. And, and uh, the, the ability to be flexible and be able to improvise in any moment, even in classical music, because sometimes stuff happens. And especially, I've conducted a lot of opera. It never goes like planned. Like something always happens. Either someone falls down, or something goes apart. Or so, so you have to be extremely alert and flexible to to do that. And I think if classical music also 
have this feeling that you sometimes in jazz that you sometimes just have to improvise a little bit be flexible that has made me the conductor I am today so for me it's not about classical music or pop it's just about good music something that brings something to you and and I will spend every time I'm here to send that message out to our audience that don't ever be afraid to to come and see us for for anything and and uh, and if you haven't the experience in classical music try it out and always a good place to start is with Mozart and Beethoven that's kind of that's the way to start up that I find that to be a very North American thing uh, I only like this thing I only like that thing you you can see it in a lot of the festivals it's very much this or you know multi whereas if you go to say Great Britain to see a uh, a big outdoor festival it can have hip-hop it can have country it can have punk it can have whatever it seems to be a very north american thing is, is that it, yeah, your it, experience absolutely and i remember the first time I, I got the season brochure from the year before i started and and there was this thing called pops yeah so you divide everything into classic or pops, and and, and I, I so we actually had our discussions how we can how we can work on this how to and I think the, one of the things I'm doing next year is that I'm actually going to conduct the pops. So th- that so so that's the first kind of step we take to for me to meet the other audience. So so because usually conductors like me they only focus on the classics yeah. and and those things. I think it's important for me to meet all our audience. So I'm going to do some really special concerts that I really encourage everyone to come to. And uh, and one of them, uh, they w- I would meet them in the pops. But also I have we made something new called Runa's Classical Christmas. And that is basically, it can be Christmas carols. It's performed in a classical way, but it's music that people love and know in a different way. And I'm so lucky that I share the birthday with Mozart. So January 27, we're going to have a concert where we celebrate Mozart and play only his music. And that's also a very good start for, for beginners in classical music. Mozart is, is kind of, it was the those days pop, pop music. Yeah. So, so it's the way to go. But in Europe, when I came here, I, I remember because I was used, I've been doing concerts in Europe where uh, you have maybe a classical um, symphony on the first part of the show uh, and then you have some hip-hop artist coming in or a rock and roll artist I've even played concert with the Steve Miller band really yes it, it was a fantastic experience I, I I met him many years ago and, and I took his biggest um, uh, hits and I put them into uh, into a symphony so I composed a symph in a symphonic form using his his songs and we had the whole Steve Miller band playing with us so there are so many things we can do that doesn't divide us into pops or classics we can just kind of try to meet in good music so this is something I I think that is going to be great and we're going to have also the end season next season I'm going to we're going to do a Mahler um, symphony and then the week after I'm going to do kind of like a prompts concert where we go outside and we, we play everything from Romeo and Juliet to actually evergreens and things that people know. So, so um, we think about this all the time, actually, how we're going to meet the audience, because uh, it's, it's like you said, I think there is a feeling that this is for me and this is not for me. I think just be open. So that will be my message to our audience. Don't be afraid. Come and see us. It's going to be fun, I promise. 
My contract is a three-year contract. Yeah. When I came on board on this, I I made the promise that we're gonna we're gonna fly. We're gonna fly together. We're gonna bring this orchestra to the world. And before we uh, have accomplished that, I won't go anywhere. Thanks for listening to the Scene in the Wild podcast. This episode was recorded live at the Wild Rose Taproom on Sunday, May 13th, 2018, and produced by Laurie Matheson at his Arch Audio studio. Thanks very much to Runa Bergman for sitting down with me, and to the amazing folks at the CPO for making this interview happen. Thanks also to the Taproom staff for hosting us. Thanks to Wild Rose for supporting the podcast and supporting culture in Alberta and for creating the delicious beer they do. Stop by the Taproom and enjoy a pint and their fantastic menu. For past and future episodes of Scene in the Wild, please download it on iTunes or visit theyyscene.com. I've been your host, Mike Bell. Cheers. Cheers.